0: Welcome to Harvest Connection Podcast. Our prayer for you as you listen to these messages is that you will be connected upward, inward, and outward for God's kingdom purpose in your life. Hey, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody. Um, I'm excited to be up here this morning. Uh, Like eight years ago when I was really coming on staff, Curtis said, you know what you need? You need a message to hold in your back pocket because who knows what's going to happen to me at any given time. And you might have to get up there and preach. And I, now I'm learning to know Curtis. Hey, anything can happen with Curtis at any given time. And so I've always had a message. And um, this is it. Because as we we're thinking about what we wanted to be spoken, we're talking about this. We've been talking about the three E's. Today we'll be talking about the silent E, the, the silent E in me. Um, and so it just kind of worked out where my message that I've had in my back pocket for a while fits perfect. For today's message. And so I'm really excited to bring this word to you. It's a simple word, and I hope that you'll be encouraged today. Uh, to start off, I'm going to ask you, you know, when's the last time maybe someone told you that they believe in you? Or maybe when's the last time someone told you, you say, hey, keep it up, because you're doing really great. And I want to say for all of you that's in here, it's Labor Day weekend, Um, A lot of people are out of town. uh, A lot of vacations going on, and I know the kids are like three days, yeah, and all they want to do is sleep in. But you know what? Not you. You made it this morning. You got the kids up and got them dressed, looking good. You got yourself looking good, and you're here. So hey, guys, keep it up. You're doing great. You know, uh, for many of us, all we hear is, you know what? You need to do better. You need to try harder. You need to be more disciplined. You know, you probably need to behave a little bit better. Man, that's us. <laughs> that's usually what I hear from myself. Um, or maybe you don't really hear anything. Maybe you hear silence. Not heard that encouraging word. But today, I want to tell you, church, that I believe in you. We believe in you. The church, Curtis, everyone on the staff, we believe in you. And like I said, you are doing great. You're here this morning. Things are going great. See, Encouraging one another isn't just something that we should do. In fact, it's actually something that Jesus commands us to do. Because he knows that his people are always in need of some much-needed, grace-filled reminders. So he calls us to encourage each other every day until he returns. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, he says, But encourage one another daily, as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, Spirit-filled, Encouragement is like oxygen to our souls because the Lord will use it to stir up some strength in our soul and it keeps our hearts beating, minds clear, and hands inspired to serve. And I know this is true because many years ago, before I came on staff, I was working at a cabinet shop, and about midway through the years I was working there. Um, God got my attention. I finally looked up and surrendered my life back to Christ, and because there were many, been, there was many years I was not, and so I began making a lot of changes in my life. I had to kick out a lot of friends for a season, so I can refocus. I, I was trying to break some old habits, old addictions, start new habits, pursuing the Lord with all that I could give, and and the men at the shop, well, um, you know, they knew that before me, and so here I was setting a new example of who I'm going to be, and they weren't always the most supportive. Maybe you've experienced that, so it was re- it was really difficult for me. So this season of life was, you think, whenever all of a sudden I'm going to start down this way with Christ, that's just going to be easy peasy. But sometimes it's a little difficult, <laughs> and I went. One day I went to install some cabinets at this shop because that was kind of my main job is to install cabinets. And when I walked in this house, I knew that something different was about this house. I could tell that it was a Christ-loving, Jesus-centered house based off the husband and the wife and their two daughters. uh, I just knew that something was different. And so as I was installing, spending a few weeks there, uh, man, it was awesome because the lady there, she was so encouraging. She was so. would always compliment me for everything I was doing. I felt like I was pretty good at what I did because she let me know how great I was doing all the time. She asked me one time, she said, hey, Brad, did you make that vent hood? I was like, yes, ma'am, I did. She's like, oh, it's so awesome. I knew you made it. You're so good. I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then it really got to the point I was really enjoying waking up and going to work because I was going to this house, and I would receive an encouraging word from this lady. And I loved it. And then one day, as I was kind of getting ready to leave, she stopped me and was asking a lot lot of personal questions. Hey, I want to get to know you. What's going on? Um, Are you married? Yes, ma'am. And we have one child. And, you know, we've actually been trying to have a second. Uh, We've had a few miscarriages. Uh, You know, it was her fault. It's my fault. Her fault, my fault. Whatever the doctors say. You know, it was back and forth. Either way, it wasn't happening. It was easier the first go around. The second one wasn't as easy. So frustrating. And life... And she just was like, you know what, I'm going to be praying for you, Brett. And you know what, I really believed her, that she was going to be praying for me. Well, days later, as we were finishing the job, uh, finishing up at her house, again, I was getting cleaned up, and her husband came in. And usually her husband wouldn't come in, because he'd be at work. I'd only saw him really during lunch hours, when he could take off and run, look at the house. So he came home early. And he came in, like, hey, I'm here. She said, Great. All right, now, Brett, can you come follow me? Can you come into our room? i right. like, okay. <laughs> and I uh, go in the door, and she shuts the door. And uh, she's like, "Say, like, hey, Brett, so I just want you to know, um, like I told you, we were praying, we've we been praying for you, and God put a word on our heart for you. And she's like, and it's in through a scripture, and I wrote it down on this card, and I want to give it to you. And she gave it to me, and she read it to me. And then her and her husband put, laid their hands on me and began to pray for me. And I won't forget that moment. Because at the right time in my life, my season, at that season I was in, I needed some encouragement. And that's what her and her, husband, her and her husband gave to me. I left there really thinking, you know what? I know seasons of life right now is tough, but I got it. Things are going to be good. I'm excited for what this new season God's called us to. And then we had we finally had our second child and a third one. Things are going great. And so, But God knows that his people need an encouraging word. He knows we need it. You know, in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, you've always heard what Jesus warned. He said, you know, in this world you will have trouble. <laughs> but let's pause, okay. And you already know what he's going to say next. But let me tell you. What he says next is an encouraging word. He says, hey, you will have trouble in this world, but you know what? It's going to be okay because so I've overcame it. You're going to be okay. At the right time, Jesus gives us an encouraging word to know we got this. We're good. We live in this broken world. With where everything calls us towards selfishness and despair, sin it destroys it stills our joy, our bodies break down, our plans fail, our dreams die, our vision dims. when encouragement is absent from the life of the believer, we feel unloved, we feel unimportant, we feel useless and forgotten, but when true authentic encouragement is shared, it should lift someone's heart to the Lord it should It points out evidence of grace in another's life to help them see that God is using them. And it points a person to God's promises and assures them that all they face is under his control. So my prayer for you this morning is that not only will you be encouraged, but my prayer is that you'll be reminded of the people that God's placed in your life at certain seasons to encourage you in your life, to remind us of God's promises in our life. So today we're getting the key verse we're going to be in, not just one verse, but a lot of verses. It's a whole chapter of Acts 9. So if you want not pull out your Bibles or your phone or your iPads, whatever your choice is, open up to Acts 9. We will also have it on the screen. But the first really nine chapters, I just want to summarize and kind of get you caught up. Most of you know about chapter 9 of Acts. It's when it's kind of Paul's conversion. And Paul, at this time, his name was Saul. Okay, the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul. And Just so you know, as I'm reading today, it's going to say Saul in the scripture, but more than likely, I'm going to say Paul. (laughs) Paul, Saul, same person. Cool? Okay. Um, But Paul, he was eager to uh, find people of the way, Christians. Today, we're known as Christians. Then, it was called people of the way. And he wanted to find people of the way and take them to prison. And he went to the high priest and asked for a letter uh, permission to go to Damascus to bring everybody of the way chained and, and put in prison. And he got the letter and he got the approval. So then he gets on the road with his men to go to Damascus, which is 130 miles away from where he was at. So obviously that shows he's pretty dedicated because he's got a pretty good long road trip um, to go on. And so he takes the trip, and about midway or at some point, I don't know, at some point, is when he has his encounter with, with Jesus. And he, the light shines down, and there's a loud sound, and the people are with him, fall down in fear. They know something's going on, but they can't hear anything. And Paul is hearing God talk to him. And this, when it was all said and done, Paul was blind for a short while, and the men knew something was going on, but they didn't know what had happened. They were all scared, so they have to actually guide Paul to Damascus because he couldn't see. And I can imagine God was probably like, you know, you shut your eyes against my light and my Savior. That's fine. So you're going to spend a few days physically blind as you've been blind spiritually. So this is that moment, and he makes it into town. town, And then this is where we're going to pick up Um, in our reading, and in this section of uh, of chapter 9 of Acts, I'm calling it the encouragement that's engaging, encouragement that is engaging. We're going to pick up in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And then the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarshish named Saul. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the for the sake of my name. Now, put yourself in Ananias', Ananias shoes. If you had this moment, all of a sudden, you're right, God's like, hey, hey, Ananias. You know that guy, have you heard of that guy named Saul? How he's going around and binding all the Christians and taking them, chain them up and take them to prison and, yeah, yeah, God, I've heard of that guy, yeah. Well, you know, he's here in town. He's here. Well, I need you to go pray for him. Wait, what? <laughs> you want me to do what? God's like, yeah. Go ahead. Go pray for him. If I was Ananias, I mean, first off, Ananias is a great man because God speaks to me and he says, here I am, Lord. If God speaks to me, I'm kind of like, what, what was that? <laughs> but... And I was like, here I am, send me, I'll go. But have you had that moment where like, you feel like God maybe placed someone on your heart and you're supposed to go pray for them and you're like, mm-mm. <laughs> maybe in public. <laughs> it's always the case. It's always in public. I don't want to do it. It's so embarrassing. Uh, and But have you experienced that? I know there's one time I experienced it here in church. We were at a core during worship. And God said, he, he put this lady on my mind who I needed to go pray for her. I was like, nah. I ain't doing it. I mean, what am I supposed to pray? He's like, you'll figure it out when you're there. I'm like, come on. <laughs> she's she's older than me. Her children are like close to my age. I mean, this is just this is just weird. And but then I go, and I was like, hey, I'm supposed to pray for you, I feel. And um, you know, here at Harvest we we encourage people, hey, you know, have your eyes open sometimes when you pray so you're around to know of your surroundings and if they're crying or if they start kind of swaying and you get a chair or whatever. I was knocking at my eyes during this prayer because it was embarrassing, and I don't know what's going on, and so I begin to pray for this lady, and I'm just like, um, as I'm praying, I start getting a vision, I'm like, I see a heart, and and it's red, it's red, I my eyes to look at her to see kind of what the emotion is, if she's laughing or crying, if I'm doing good, I don't know, so I looked up, and no emotion, so I'm like, okay, it was it's a red heart, I think, and you know, but it kind of looks a little different. It's not the normal-looking heart. <laughs> I look at her, and by this time she is kind of giggling, but there is some emotion. But, so I just keep going, and I finish, and afterwards, instead of you know her saying, "Well, thank you for that word, I'm like, "Thank you for playing along with me. I'm still learning. I'm sorry." <laughs> but it was so difficult for me, uh, but I did it. And somehow, I think, really, God spoke to her through my mumbling. (laughs) And I do know there's another time, a most awkward moment, and I was in Chile for a mission trip, and there was this lady that was adamant that I prayed for her. And well, she spoke Spanish, and I do not. I know queso. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't find our translator anywhere, and she just needed me to pray. So I started praying, I'm thinking, this is silly. She's not going to understand at all. (laughs) But midway through praying for her she was just losing it she was crying and i began to understand that the spirit was was translating for me and then they said no i'm crying and she's crying and i might have spoken spanish i don't know but <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal we might not understand but god has a plan And then God doesn't, he didn't really need Ananias, but God loves working through his people. So I just had to stop, and we had to point that out to know that I'm so thankful that Ananias said, send me. If we pick up in verse 17, it goes on and says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his, eye, his sight. And then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Man, and talk about, again, awkward situation. But Paul, he was blind, so he couldn't see Ananias. I don't know if you've gone to hospitals maybe prayed for someone, but when you walk in, you... You know, when you want to smile and it's your gesture of how you're standing and you want to go pray for them, Paul couldn't see. So it was up to Ananias' heart for people. Love to do what God wants him to do. Had to lead him, so he had to go in there and have that gentle touch, to laying of the hands and the soft voice to say, I'm here for you. And for Paul to receive that. Because they say, some people might say that Paul's conversion was on the road, but that's really, I don't believe that was the case. It was in this moment, because someone was faithful, even over an awkward or maybe a scary situation, he came and expressed love by laying of hands and speaking with love. And Paul began to feel that. And that's when his faith began to believe in Jesus, because God heard his prayers. Because it said Paul was praying, and Jesus answered him. So this morning, my, one of the questions I have for you is, who was your Ananias? Do you remember the first person in your life who stepped up at the right time to pray for you? Who came in and laid their hands on you and began to pray? And you felt like scales were lifted from your eyes so that you could see the new light? Who was that first person for you? You know, Reba, she was, she was my Ananias. She prayed for me. She got a word and put it on a card and gave it to me. You know this. This. I try to find it this week. That card. I have it saved, but I, if you might know, I recently moved and half my house is still in storage, so I don't know where it's at. It's somewhere. I'll come across it, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I have it memorized. I just. I remember the verse. I remember the translation. I remember all the different changes she made to it. Yeah, changes. This is what it reads, Brett. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Hey, Brett, you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, Brett, I will be found by you. I love you, Jesus. (laughs) That was the word, and as I told you, of all this tough stuff this season I was in, She gives me a word of saying, Jesus, I know the plans I have for you. So this morning, think about maybe someone who you can be an Ananias for. Because God wants to use you and have you go and pray for someone to encourage them. And it might be awkward, church. But again, God has bigger plans maybe for that other person. And he just wants to work through you. All right, as we move on to verse 20, this next section of Acts 9, I'm calling it the encouragement that's equipping, starting in verse twenty, it says this for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. This is Paul, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God, and all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this man who is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who call upon this name, and has he not come here for the purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests?" Man, I can only imagine Paul right now. As I said, in my life, my season, I was trying to start off, and it just hit me, and it was very difficult. It's kind of like, like a Monday. We don't like Mondays, right? That's kind of the thing. We don't like Mondays. That's how we're supposed to feel. Sundays, we're built up. Have the encouraging word. Have football. You know, good. maybe a nap. And then you actually go and plan, you know, you got to do your bills and plan for the week. And then Monday happens, and you're like, it's not even close to what I had planned. You know, this is the complete opposite of how I thought this week was going to start. That's how Paul's probably starting. He's like, dude, this is not how I expected it. And this is probably one of the most frustrating things in life. (laughs) Because I'm a planner, I like details, I like things lined out, and when that doesn't happen, I get stressed. And then you add a dirty house on top of that when you just cleaned it, and 30 minutes later your kids come and destroy it. I mean, come on. And then, like right now, I'm asking myself, do I even own a lawnmower? Because it sure doesn't look like it outside. I mean, I just can't seem to get things going for me, right? And it's so frustrating. I can imagine Paul getting frustrated. But the thing about it is, I know this is just small things. That's a small thing. But one small thing after another after another can really begin to build up. But then add those small things on top of a struggling marriage, or financial problems, or busyness at work, this can really become a tipping point. And if you're going about it, going at it by yourself, without an involved spouse, or a friend, or a life group, which you had planned and it's not going the way your plans, it can be very frustrating. So I, can, I, I think I can relate to Paul at this moment, and I think we all can too. As we continue, it says this, but Paul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by provi- uh, proving that Jesus was the Christ. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. See, get this, guys. When I said in John 18, it says, you will have trouble, but it's okay, because I've overcome it, and I'll send help. I think. Remember, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit. He sends friends. He sends you a life group. He sends you a circle of friends. So here's the deal. Paul, he had situations not going his way, and what he thought how it was going to go wasn't going his way. And so, yeah, he could throw in the towel and say, this is not really what I expected it. But what then it says, he grew in strength because he had the disciples with him. They were circled around Paul to encourage him. I know they were there. He could... I knew he trusted these disciples. He trusted them because they were doing life with him. He was probably sending them, texting them prayer requests every day. They were probably encouraging with text back. Um, I mean, all these things were happening. Paul grew in strength because he had a circle. He had people with him. And I know he trusted them because this says he went out a window in a basket. I mean, what? What? I mean, if I had, if right now, if there's a window, and I had to, like, go through a window in a basket with a rope on it, I'd more than likely be like, hey, Cy, take this rope. Hey, Caleb, take it. Hey, Jacob, take it. You know what? You guys just keep, keep going. Wade, if you can go over there and tie that rope around that column, that'd be great. Um, because I'm going over, and I don't want to die. Okay? I need you to hold on to this rope. You know what? Let's just circle that beam and go over here and circle that beam. It's maybe because maybe I'm not doing life with everybody. And I don't know if I can trust them yet. Even though all of you guys who know, I, you guys are great guys. I'm just using example. But if someone I didn't trust, I don't know if I'd go through a window in a basket. But Paul did. So that tells me he has trust in these men because he's been doing life with them. And that's what Paul had. So you might believe this morning that life group is not for you. But I hope you might begin to understand the, the importance of a circle, because Paul grew in strength. What Paul had, he had raw, authentic relationships that point out evidence of God's grace in his life to help him see God using, the, using him. You know, this is really important to have a circle right now um, of, of just friends that we can hang out with and just to do life with, because we do know that in this in the world right now, there's tons of teachers. Maybe not a lot of fathers and mothers, and that's what we need. We need brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, spurring one another along through those difficult seasons. I know after the season of Reba, (laughs) I love her name, Reba, um... I began ministry, and like I kind of felt the Paul moment, and I was there was I was like, it's not the way I thought I was going to go, in, but I was to keep going. And then I felt like God was calling my wife and I to Africa, and that happened, and it was so crazy. But on this trip, our tour guide uh, was this lady from San Antonio, and she became our tour guide because she actually has an orphanage in Kenya where we were headed. And so she, with the church that I was at at that time, We had just started an orphanage, so she was leading us. Now, have you ever had one of those moments where you meet someone and immediately have a connection, have like a kindred spirit? My wife and I had that with Christy. And the whole trip, we were together the whole time, getting to know one another. And then we got back to the States We would go down to San Antonio to see her. She would come up to Amarillo. We would go down to San Antonio. There was a time I moved down there for a little bit, and she helped find me a place and uh, just ministered to Kendra and myself. And it was really cool because Kendra and I, we had the time we had not been baptized yet, and God gave Kendra a vision of a date of when we need to be baptized together. And she said, and also Christy was doing it for us. And this, I got a picture of it. I got three kids, um, married, so all four of those events are very special, but this was a very special moment in my life, and that's our Christy. She was in my circle, and I don't know if I would be here today if it wasn't for her spurring me along. So thankful for her and the people that were placing my life at the right seasons to teach me. To guide me so I wouldn't throw in the towel. So who has been that person for you? Maybe a grandparent who's always prayed. Your parents, your friend, your life group. Like I said, sin wants to steal our joy. But we were given a testimony for a reason. To speak it and speak it often. To remind ourselves of the grace-filled reminders of God's presence and promise over our life. So who are you telling your testimony today, church? Is there someone walking through life with you, spurring you along? And another question is, maybe are you walking with somebody and spurring them along? The next part of this chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 26. I'm calling this section, Encouragement That's Empowering. Verse 26, it says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Once again, Paul found himself in another Monday. <laughs> Things not going his way. And I tell you, and we're all called to some fights, some good fights, but fights that we can win when we choose to do life in circles. Thank goodness Paul found his Barnabas. Barnabas was nicknamed the son of encouragement by the early, early church found in Acts 4. He was the kind of guy you wanted to have around as you were serving the Lord. He wasn't just a spiritual cheerleader, but he was a man of great conviction who wanted to see the church flourish and did all they could do to make it happen. Um, I tell you, I'm very blessed to have the Barnabas that I have. Um, I, I would say that I'm kind of special. Just going to throw that out there, because my Barnabas is Pastor Curtis. I remember years ago running into him at a, at a high school graduation. I was like, "Is that Curtis? I'm going to go find him." And I, I ran into him. I was like, "Hey, Curtis, what's up?" And clearly, he didn't recognize me. Um, long curly hair, silly glasses. Um, and so I had to remind him, you know, I'm Samantha Huey's son, I'm brother. right? That's how everyone knows, knows me. I'm Sam's brother. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know who you are, Brett. And he told me he was coming back to Amarillo and I said, Hey, when you do, I'll be there. And I'm so thankful I did come because Curtis has spurred me along. Even whenever I didn't feel like I could lead because I tell you, when we first, when I first started here, like half of the congregation probably changed my diaper in the Methodist Church in Canyon. <laughs> I, it was everyone I grew up with that taught me in Sunday school. And I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to lead these people? Kurt <laughs> said, hey, just stand on the word that God gave you. The rest will come. Just stand on the word. And we had some fun times. It was hard times. It was fun times. He would spur me along, encourage me. Even whenever I had to stand on the 16-foot ladder. Yes, I do have to tell that story because it's been fun around here. There's Before we remodeled and the ceiling wasn't here, I mean, we had the, you know, it's the tall ceiling and those lights were over there and they had these like this film over it and Kurt was like, we got to get those off. I was like, yeah, how? Well, Jack Carthel stored his 16-foot A-frame ladder up here and so we set it up and I get to the top and I'm like, I can't reach it still, it's still too far. I bet you got this. Stand on that top step. (laughs) Well, it says not to stand. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) Are you sure, Curtis? (laughs) I survived. (laughs) We've had some laughter. We've had some tears. It's been hard. (laughs) But we've made it. And we're still here. I was telling them this past week, I, this past few weeks, I've had words that God's spoken to me over the years. Being re, I've been reminded of them. And it's been good. So who was your Barnabas? Do you have a Barnabas today? Do you have someone who's that spiritual cheerleader for you to spur you along, to keep you going? And are you a Barnabas to somebody? We end the chapter in verse 31. It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And that's my prayer for us today, church. As a church, we walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and multiply, encouraging one another along. See, I love the overall story of Acts 9. Because we start out with a zealous man breathing threats over the church. But God has, was more than able to turn that terrible threat into a great blessing. Despite great opposition that had come against the church, God is still good and loves using his people to spread his grace-filled reminders. Now is the perfect time, church, to do that to be a church that sends out encouragement to those around us, to be other people's Ananias, to be their circle, to be their Barnabas. And I don't know if you heard, but this past week, uh, a certain family in our church was on the news. It was pretty awesome. We got these Sarah cards going all the way around and made the news. And it's to celebrate Sarah's birthday. It says, pay it forward, invite someone to your campfire, to your circle. A special acts of kindness in memory of Sarah and they're going all throughout the town. We encourage people to go and pay for someone's coffee, to leave some money, to pay for someone's food, and give them this card to, say to pay it forward. There's already a movement coming from this church. Can we continue it?